Hey, it's Bill Simmons from The Ringer, and this is a podcast called The Rewatchables. We have been doing it really since 2017. It started with how much we love the movie Heat. We decided to structure a whole podcast with categories, most rewatchable scene, who won the movie, Apex Mountain, what age the best. But here's the thing. If you want the full archive, you can hear them only on Spotify for free, by the way. So make sure to follow The Rewatchables on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. I need support staff to clear the room. Stand up and walk. Now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com and joining me in the studio, recently released from English prison, it's Andy Greenwald! I'm so excited for today. We're, we're going to talk about Hijack, oh, yeah. a show we like on Apple TV+. Plus, but Which we also cannot seem to understand when it ends. Because we thought not. this was going to be Hijack Palooza today and it was going to be the finale. And They just keep adding hours onto that Kingdom 2-9 flight. Which has happened to me on airplanes. When flying from Dubai? Not specifically. Okay. Um, not in hijack situations, but sometimes they take a little extra time. Yeah. But I want to get into something pretty important first, which is the mystery of your personal life. <laughs> <laughs> Only because since we arrived here this morning, both wearing shorts. Thank you. Thank you, my leg brother. I'm, I'm wearing shorts because like, I'm literally doing this podcast and then I'm going home. Well, it's also 100 degrees out and yeah. I've been getting grief from some in the Ringerverse, not the podcast Ringerverse, but the larger expanded Ringer yeah, uh, shared universe about exposing my my calves in the workplace. Yeah, But it's hot out. So I thank you for showing me. The problem the is, is that when I got dressed this morning and as mm-hmm. I was leaving the house, my wife said, you look like a child who's been lost at the mall. <laughs> and then I Did said- Did she say it lovingly? Like she'd and like I said, to find do you, you think I should change? And she was just, she said literally, you're just doing the stupid pod with Andy. Who cares? <laughs> I love her. So, you know what's nice? First time caller. It's great to be seen. So, but Uh, here's here's why I bring this up. Because one of the first things I said to you was, "Hey, hey, pal! Like, did you get the text I sent you last night?" And you were like, "What text?" I was like, "Okay, that's fine. It happens. There's a lot coming back and forth." And then you were like, "Maybe I missed it because I went to bed early last night." I was like, "Okay, it's another piece of the puzzle filled in." Mm -hmm. And then you were like, "Maybe we were like, maybe you didn't see it because, as you mentioned to me, you had your pupils dilated yesterday. Yes, I did. Not in a seeing Oppenheimer and IMAX way, but you went to an eye doctor. Yeah. 
And then it just looked, it looked like I was rolling the entire day. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, so right now I have this image of you like cuddling up to bed at 8 p.m., unable to see anything in front of you. No. And then right before we hit record, you turn to Kai and you're like, Kaya, get ready for SoFi Stadium. I was like, well, why were you at SoFi Stadium? is going Stadium? to see the Eras Tour. I don't know if you're up on that. So jealous. Um, she just got back from her month-long trip around the country following Dead & Company. I know. And she's got one more concert to go. She loves live music. Uh, I went to SoFi for the first time last night to see a friendly, quote-unquote, between Arsenal and Barcelona, it was not that friendly on the pitch. I bet not. A lot of two-footed tackles, a lot of a lot of cards, a lot of that's cool. Shoving. I left my house mm-hmm. at five thirty. Now you were not driving, were you? Because no, you could my, not see. I went with some compadres. Great. Uh, and I couldn't drive. I went left the house at five thirty. Mm-hmm. I was picked up. I sat down at my seats at seven thirty p.m. Okay, <laughs> it's, it's a great town. It functions. <laughs> it is technically also ways is a satanic device where yes, they're just yes. like, make a left, make a right, make a left, go back in a circle and then cross a double lane street across with no yeah. light, you know? Um, My theory about Waze has long been that it is a like deep state conspiracy app designed to cull the herd because yeah, it suggests right. just effortlessly. When are they going to have hearings about Waze? Like make a left turn across six lanes of traffic. Yeah. What's it trying to do to us? Okay. <laughs> you have like your kids in the back and they're like, daddy, why are you crying? <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah. So wait. So you 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 went to view an event that you couldn't see. I could see it. It was just the lights were particularly bright. Okay. You know that dilation was really more about like the brightness of the lights than it is. So it gets a little blurry. But I, by that point, I had, I had recovered. I had a uh, box of vegan chicken with tater tots. It was like really the best option. Was but, that also a I'm blind mistake? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And five three Arsenal. Pretty pretty exciting match. Did they play their their best players? Was they did. It, they they did. did for most of the match, and then they started bringing guys on. Barcelona switched out. They're starting eleven at halftime, the Catalonian way, you know. Right. Uh, is Xavi still their coach manager? Yeah, he is still their coach. Mm-hmm. Way to go, dude! I, he looked like he was incredibly ready for dinner at like some vegan chicken, Mother Wolf. You know, like <laughs> he's well, thrilled to be here. Yeah, uh, he looked like here. he had just closed a deal. Speaking of closing deals, yeah. You're still out there. I don't, you know, sometimes I feel almost depressed asking for a strike update. I got two updates for you. We'll make them quick because this is going to be going on for... But they don't um, have happy endings. Forever. No, um, it's real hot out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little, your boy's a little lightheaded a couple days this week, but keep it hydrated. I really appreciate the person who set up like a, a, a mister, so a fan over uh, a bucket of water and yeah. the water someone wrote on the, water, on the bucket, um, AMPTP Tears. They used to have those at uh, like. Lollapalooza. Misting things. Yeah. Yeah. I I got more... I, the worst sunburn I ever got in my life was Lollapalooza 93, I think, it, which which they held for... I'm sure everyone knows who's listening, but they held it in the ruins of a demolished stadium in Philadelphia. Was it in the vet? No, it was at R, where RFK used to be. Oh, my God. Was that the Nine Inch Nails year? It was... I don't think... It was... It was... Uh, that was the year that Rage Against the Machine opened and they came out nude holding their machines mm-hmm. and they had the words um, PMRC written on their chest in tape. Yeah. So this was, a, this was a, kids, this was an era when one of the most exciting rising bands in the world used their set in Philadelphia to just stand silently to protest Tipper Gore putting stickers on CDs. That's right. That's sick. right. It was sick. <laughs> Uh, we changed the world. <laughs> our local guys, the goats, were there, but it was also like Primus and like Level Two Four Two. Yeah, nothing beats back Sonic Youth, 
uh, yes. pavement hole. We both you went. I we were I both there, one. but we didn't know each other. No, Red Man was there on the second Super Chunk Moby. They were yeah. all on the second stage. I know, I know. Pre pre heat Moby. Let's play right. Let's stop the pod now. Yeah, no, that was everything is wrong, Moby. Um. Anyway, the strike update was none of that. It was two things. One, the SAG stuff is really uh, fun and exciting. It's great to have them out there. Much more crowded, much, much more robust, much more, dare I say, dramatic. Mm-hmm. The real excitement at Disney yesterday was a crew that rolled in um, around 10 a.m., which was front-lined, top-lined, above the credits uh, were Shea Wiggum, a hero of ours on yes. the pod, and his apparent buddy, which makes me really happy, our true godhead, Colin Farrell. Whom, who's been on this podcast. He has. A wonderful, truly like a great guy. Colin Farrell showed up in 98 degree heat in Burbank wearing black jeans mm-hmm. and Chelsea boots. As you do. He's a king. Irish guys don't know any other way. No, they protest and they wear boots. Yeah. Um, it was great. That was really cool. Uh, the only other update is that like, I think if they did want to break the back of Strikers, they would be, the, like, the AMPTP would be provided. Like, right right now, these picket lines are awash in ice cream sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> Which starts, like, when you're so hot, you're like, that's a good idea. It's not. It's a terrible it's idea. Not. Ice cream, it, it, the older you get, mm-hmm. the less of a good idea it is during the middle of the day like that. Yeah, so, and I've heard people, Chris, good people, sensible people, say things as they pass the coolers being like, yeah, I think that's, I think it's time for a popsicle. Mm-hmm. I don't think it is. Popsicles are different to me. Okay, that's true. The popsicles are semi-healthy, but I think that they say time for a popsicle innocently and they come out with like a cool house double mocha chip uh, like size of my child's head bar. Yeah. And they don't make another loop. So I'm saying that would be wild strike-breaking tactics. Um, On the line. Yeah. What's the vibe? Are people like, this, this is going to go for the rest of the summer, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, nobody's talking. Nobody's talking. I So... I uh, I don't have any like new insights. I was kind of thinking mm-hmm. about how um, the dog days of summer are contagious. You know, like it starts. You know, you just have like an internal thing where you're just like, boy, the days are long. Boy, that they, they kind of run into each other. If you're, you're still, you know, working, yeah, um, you're just like eh, another day at the grindstone trying to figure out what to say about, you know, hot dog eating contests and stuff. And then it seems like even though we have Oppenheimer and Barbie mm-hmm. in theaters. Setting the world alight. I went to see the movie Theater Camp this week. Nice. Very delightful. Mm-hmm. That's uh, the Bears' Molly Gordon. Right? It, well, it dire- co-director and, and co-star. Um, and the theater on a Tuesday at 5.30 mm-hmm. was completely packed. Completely wow. packed. With people wearing pink. People with hollowed out eyes staring into the atomic future. Mm-hmm. And then I think there is a knock-on effect where theater camp's been out for the better part of three weeks full full screening that's great <laughs> full screening for a rising camp. tide that's what i boats. do think it is i do think it's like people going to the theater and being like oh i can't get into these two so what else is there i it's um, either insidious or theater camp maybe for, you're you are the venn diagram i am, of both I of am those the things. guy get get me a movie that can do both the uh the most amazing thing i heard was a uh a producer that i know admitted that he saw oppenheimer at the 6 a.m. Sunday screening. Of IMAX or? In IMAX at the Man Chinese Theater. They had, they started the screenings at 6 a.m. He said, and it was full. Yeah. That's movie church. (laughs) That's insane. (laughs) Um, The only other update I would have that's relevant to our podcast is 
I think I underestimated how strong the ripple effects would be from Bob Iker's Billionaire Boys Club interview. From, from back at Sun week. Valley? Yes. So we talked about this last week. That like, It's still right at the front of people's minds. Yes. In an interesting way. For on, on, on two, I guess there's sort of two reads of it. And this was for people who, who aren't just glued to CNBC in the mornings like we are. But somehow listen to the watch. Yeah. yeah. No, there's, what's the Venn diagram <laughs> of go, that? They go hand in hand. Um, that uh, like the day after the actors, the day the actors uh, struck, Bob Iger, the newly extended uh, CEO of Disney, made some seemingly almost off-the-cuff comments when interviewed at Sun Valley, which is like a billionaire's retreat. It literally was a meeting. It wasn't just that billionaires go there, right? It's some sort of convention for for rich guys. Anyway, he was like, uh, he made a bunch of comments that we, I think we said on the pod last week, that it was um, disappointing that the actors and writers' demands were unreasonable at a, at, a, at a time like this. So the reaction to this continues to trickle down. One, this is enormous fuel. This was a gift. And it's one thing when a billionaire building his second yacht makes these comments and the writers are like, oh, I'm a little bit angrier. That's an imitation of myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's another thing when that inspires Brian Cranston, the oh, I saw that. charismatic and beloved star of television, film, and theater, delivers an impassioned speech on the streets of New York, being like, you, sir, will not rob us of our dignity. Yeah, it was very Keith Olbermann. <laughs> Actors love this shit. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It is it is a different animal. But it's so and funny because Cranston was like, we will not be replaced by robots. <laughs> and I was just I like, it's not exactly robots yet. I, you know I, what I mean? I saw some of the clips of the actors giving these speeches and I love them and I support them and Somewhere I stand with the them. the iRobot actor's tear just goes <laughs> down. And but don't you get this? Like, I watch the actors do it and I'm like, this is why we need writers too. Just yeah. a little yeah, bit. Yeah, just a, a note. Just a couple notes. Just a Here's couple thoughts. Off. Yeah. So, so that was an interesting read on it. I think the other surprising thing to me was people are like, Iger said that? Because... Oh, yeah, because he's the dream weaver. Well, for two things. One, he is the most polished and put together and professional. Like, he's, he's slick and that's a good thing. Like, for his job, that's one of the selling points is that he doesn't seem to get flustered. He seems to be, to win people over and, you know, build with consensus and smiles. So people were surprised that he was knocked off his square a little bit. Um, that's just not what he does. And then also, I think that some people on the, not on the other side necessarily, but people in the business who are not on strike, who would like to get back to work very much, are like they really wishing that hadn't happened. Because Iger, in many ways, is the closest thing to an old sachem that we have. Mm-hmm. Like last time there was a strike, he was involved in getting he was it one of the out. one of the he, five godfathers he, kind of thing yeah. yeah and he's one who i think and i said this last week from I've, I've never dealt with him but people who i know who have have had positive things to say about him. i've seen bill talk to him i've been in the same basketball arena where bill said hello to him what was that like for you i was very far away did you get chills <laughs> could you not what were your pupils doing at that moment <laughs> what was the dilation level anyway it did it did give a sense that this is it has fueled some feeling of deep anxiety and uncertainty because, Jesus, if, even if, if that guy's doing this and it's fueling this, where are we? Yeah. That, that's my read of the moment. So I want to, glad you brought Bob Iger up because one of the first topics I wanted to discuss with you mm-hmm. is, do you remember mm-hmm. last fall? Barely. The Eagles were yes. okay, now I remember. Uh, soaring mm-hmm. towards the Super Bowl. The Philadelphia Phillies, well, I guess this isn't exactly at the same time, but the Eagles were kicking ass. And then the Philadelphia Phillies were in the World Series. That was great. In fact, there was a weekend when I was back in Philadelphia where I believe the Eagles played the Cowboys and the Phillies played the Braves in the uh, in the National League Championship Series? National League uh, Division Series? We beat the 
Braves first and then the Padres. Yeah, that's right. So anyway, that was happening. Division series. And God, what a time to be alive. It was great. And during that, under the cover of darkness, mm-hmm. blinded by all that glory, we didn't notice that the Sixers were like one in 10, right? That's right. So these are all Philadelphia sports teams for people who are like, what are you guys talking about? I was kind of wondering whether you thought that given all the stuff happening with the strike, mm-hmm. and then on the flip side of that, the glories of cinema right now. Wonderful. That nobody noticed that Marvel Cinematic Universe just went into the basement, into a sub-basement, into the Earth's core, went around the Earth's core like Hilary Swank and Aaron Eckhart in the movie The Core, and then <laughs> shot back out the other side and was pronounced dead on the scene by Anthony Edwards and George Clooney. Was the body the Marvel Cinematic Universe or was it a scroll? Oh, was it a scroll? Now, Andy and I have not commented much on Secret Invasion. We've taken the high road. When you don't have something nice to say, you stop watching the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, and I actually did go and watch the finale. You did? Yes, yes. We had been following this. I did it just out of curiosity. I was wow. like, I read the recap a of it. pro's pro. And I just wanted to see how it looked. I knew that I wouldn't get all the story I thought beats, about doing this too. But I just wanted to see like, you know, what was the vibe? You wanted to see what Mrs. Nick Fury, the scroll, looked like. I, I got all that. Uh-huh. I got all that. It was uh, pretty staggering. I will say Kingsley Benadir, who's great in Barbie and is, is actually pretty good in Secret Invasion. I heard the Midnight Boys talking about him today. He's, he's, he's on one, that guy. But the Midnight Boys are a good example. They had to start their podcast by demanding that all panelists say something nice about Secret Invasion before they got into the actual <laughs> discussion of Secret Invasion. This is like a loyalty oath? This is like the Trump cabinet meeting? I have my, my ear to the streets. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, I mean I look at Marvel Studio Leaks Reddit. And the, the price of the brick has gone down uh-huh. a lot. And I don't know that you know, if I told you when Endgame came out, that there's going to be Marvel TV shows. They're going to do the Eternals and Chloe Zhao is going to direct it. Like, there will be another Ant-Man movie. There will be another Doctor Strange movie, which was like an interesting like mm-hmm. foray into horror. There will, and Sam Raimi's going to direct it. And all these things I could have told you about this era. You, you could have told me there would be a Marvel TV show starring Oscar Isaac and, and Ethan, Ethan Hawke. Hawk. And you would, it, we, we were. Like, sign us up. Mm-hmm. Sign us up for as many seasons as we can get. And... The re- what I wanted to talk to you about is a, a note that I keep seeing coming up over and over again where I, when I'm reading about this stuff, which is that there are not enough, I don't want to say TV experts, there's not enough of a TV sensibility to the Marvel Cinematic Universe's forays into television. Now, I don't know whether you want to say that the TV stuff is an ankle weight around the movies and dragging it to the bottom of the sea. I don't know whether it's a matter of the characters. I don't know whether it's a matter of a, a lack of coherence about like the overall story that they're trying to tell. There's all sorts of things going on right now. But I was just I just wanted to get like a vibe check from you about whether or not this is recoverable, whether or not this is fixable. Well, it, it would be silly to say that it's not fixable only because of the sheer amount of money that is available to try and fix it, and also the entrenched brand value. If the MCU, if Kevin Feige came out tomorrow and was like, it's not the MCU anymore, this is called X, and we're changing the name of all the characters to X, I think it wouldn't do as well. You know, I What think, if it was X-Men? Well. What if it was the X-Men cinematic He's still got that card to yeah. play. Um, I want to sort of just, 
I think it's important to focus on on the, the angle that you're taking, which is the right one. And which I just is want to say, seem to I understand lost. that it is somewhat ridiculous for you and I to be weighing in on this, having not been in the trenches with Secret Invasion minute to minute, scene to scene. But, but I also think that we have, over the course of the past few months, if not last few years, become increasingly disillusioned with this project. Yes. I still think it's worth noting that the free fall from having some goodwill about almost everything to now my default position is that this is bad, which is really sad to say that's what my feeling is now, and I don't even want to engage with it, has been really dramatic. Um, dramatic or traumatic? Depends who's listening. I just couldn't, yeah. Did they dilate your ears as well? <laughs> they filled it with fluid. Um, the fact that this seems to have lost the hardcores. That's the thing. And, th- it, it, and this is a project that I think was designed only to appeal to them is really noteworthy. I think there are a lot of, there are a lot of reasons how, why we ended up here. I think, as is often the case with success, there is in the minute-to-minute decision-making of a giant expensive enterprise, there can be fundamental misunderstandings of what is successful here and that can have a trickle-down effect that that ends up being a a massive drop-off. I think one of the things basically here is the story of the last 10 years or 15 years was not, aha, comic books have always contained the secret sauce to cinematic glory, which is everything is connected. It's that if everything connect, is, is connected and feels meaningful, you can tap into something really special. What we're left with is just everything's connected. Absolutely nothing that they have done in the last few years feels meaningful or special in any way. And that's for a number of reasons. Um, the stars aren't as bright. The, you can only threaten the Earth and Sokovia so many times before it just feels rote. Everything is on a global scale, whether it's Secret Invasion or potentially even Moon Knight. Everything is, or the Eternals. Mm-hmm. Everything is huge. So therefore, nothing is huge. The starting to become seriously an issue, CGI, which is... Starting? Well, I mean, it's like, it's, I, I think it, people are now noticing it outside of the, like, they're like, everything Outside looks, of like VFX hits. Everything yeah. looks the same. Yeah. And it looks kind of shitty. Um, when you compare what MCU is serving us versus, um, you know, uh, a Mission Impossible where it's more actual practical effects, or even something like Barbie, which is a challenging one-to-one comparison, but Barbie's visual aesthetic was different, you know, and 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 uh, breath of fresh air for that reason. All of those reasons leave us to this place where, frankly, the MCU is now where Marvel Comics can be, which is. Everything matters, but don't worry, nothing matters. From what I understand, Secret Invasion was a, a global conspiracy of aliens who could be anyone, but they're not really anyone important. And also, go see the Marvels. Mm-hmm. It's just... And I hope you've seen Captain Marvel if you want to understand what's going on here with Ben Mendelsohn. And there's such a profound flattening effect here that I, I would hope people are noting, which is just like you have Sam Jackson and Olivia Coleman and Kingsley Benadire and Ben Mendelsohn and, and Amelia Clark, and it's like... For what purpose? Mm-hmm. Truly, for what purpose? So it, that that is a, a a huge bummer. I I also feel like it's worth noting. Okay, so wait. Let's before we start listing things. So what what is your read on this? Like, is this fixable? What do you see that? I or, have a I I am going to answer your question with a question, which is that one of the things that Marvel and Feige has been able to do over the years is actually go into the vault and bring out mm-hmm. characters that may have been counterintuitive as being first in line all the way back to Iron Man. I mean, Iron Man is obviously a beloved character, but wasn't exactly 
Spider-Man or the X-Men mm-hmm. or, or whatever. Not an A-lister. And he has been able to zag several times, most notably with Guardians, which I think in some ways revived the entire franchise and gave the sense of like a post-Joss Whedon tone to the whole thing. That then the whole trickled thing. into everything. And yes. that even though the Russos were directing a lot of the bigger films, like I think that the combination of like heart and sarcasm kind of bled into like the the creative DNA of the of the movies and also I think it's a fairly recognized open secret if it's a secret at all that that James Gunn wrote Guardians material for other movies that that Taika touched like these things went through other people's hands yes and I was thinking about the last few especially the MCU right so the MCU TV shows with the exception of um, Falcon and Winter Soldier which you'd think would, and I and honestly, weirdly, now in in retrospect, is actually one of my favorite shows that they've done. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's certainly flawed, but I was like, compared to some of the other stuff that we've seen, I actually enjoyed. Whether or not they're making bad character choices and whether or not they have kind of gotten away from either, we need to have like some stuff here that people understand and know about. Because you, you were telling me Secret Invasion is kind of like a curveball storyline in the Marvel comics, like even in the comics, it's kind of like, this is sort of weird. Like it's a but civil it w- war among space aliens. But it was huge because it touched all the comics. So characters in Fantastic Four and X-Men were scrolls. Right. This, to my mind, was like a potential storyline for the ne- a next phase of movies. You know, that that's how big it could have been. But they limited it to a TV show and they got Don Cheadle to do it. Right. And that's about it. And, right. And, and Martin Freeman. So yeah, so they 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 cut it off at the knees basically. So and then the other thing that I was just going to mention, which is another question, is I, I've been thinking about this a lot since Oppenheimer because you get to see Downey in a non Tony Stark, non Sherlock Holmes role for the first time in close to twenty years, um, and he's incredible in Oppenheimer. But what he did was in the Marvel movies, the casuals could just be like, I don't know everything mm-hmm. that's being talked about here or why everything is happening, but I get the Downey thing, and that's what I'm here for. And I don't know that they have really replaced him in any, and I don't know if he can. And I wonder whether or not we'll get two years on from now and whatever happens with the sort of plan that they've got put together and when the Fantastic Four comes or whatever. But we'll look back on this whole thing and be like, oh, it was Downey. Well, I I think it's Downey and also what Downey represents and also what James Gunn doing Guardians represents, which is, look, fundamentally, this is not rocket science or rocket raccoon science. Like, brand management is a different category of, of existence and being than making a good movie. They are often at odds with each other. I understand why one leads to another. Like, making one good movie tends to now in the way that, that, that you know, movie studios are offshoots of publicly traded tech companies. Like, brand management then becomes paramount not not the studio that used to distribute the yeah. marvel movies before disney bought it i get that it's the same reason why like amc the network made mad men and breaking bad and walking dead during a period when it had nothing to lose and nobody was checking for it yeah and it could take chances and then all of a sudden as soon as you take a chance then you become risk averse i think People who are now noticing or that's being reported on the stuff that we were commenting on when there was the New Yorker story about Mattel a few weeks ago before Barbie opened, I think that there, people are paying more attention to that news now because now in the wake of Barbie's enormous success, like, oh, uh, Lena Dunham has cast Lily Collins as Polly Pocket and mm-hmm. all these you know, all these other things that are coming. I feel- You said that with a tremendous amount of enthusiasm. Thrilled. 
psyched. Psyched for Lily, psyched for Lena, just psyched for the whole, all the, the poly stands right. um, around the world. I, I, I think the Barbie movie was a miracle, and I think Greta is a, a God-level talent. I also think that she, because she's such so smart about things and not just creative, she probably recognized that she was going to make this movie at a very unique moment when Mattel needed her. More, more than, than she, she needed Mattel. More than she needed them. She also got the buy-in of a star yep. who was the executive producer mm-hmm. and the, the green light of that movie yeah. is Margot Robbie. And she then in turn turns around and is like, I will protect Greta Gerwig or I will or not yes. be in this film. And that's why you get to see what you see on the screen, which is the singular vision w- with all these other craftspeople and all these other artists, but is the singular vision of Greta Gerwig up on the screen. And when you see a lot of like clips of people who are like, I don't know, am I in one of these movies? I was just in Atlanta for three weeks. Or like, I don't know, they don't tell us how the show ends. They just have us shoot things and then they clip them together. And the VFX house is saying like, there's somebody over their shoulder being like, we need you to do, like there's a shot in the finale of Secret Invasion Mm -hmm. that's obviously like, we need to do ADR to do a connecting either. I can't remember if it was like a transition from one scene to another, or just like a larger Mm -hmm. point about the MCU that they need to make. But it's obvious that they were like cut to an overhead shot. Do we have an overhead shot here where we don't see anyone talking so we can, so that we can get somebody to come in and do ADR for it, which happens in all shows. I'm not saying it's bad, but it's like, I think one of the things that MCU had going for it was this feeling of like, Oh, they've really, they're dialed. Like they, it's a system. Yeah. It's a system. And people seem really excited to work there. Like, yeah, Ryan Coogler I, seems excited to be there. Everybody seems excited to get in there and work on stuff. And now I think that there's a little bit more of a like, sure, when stuff gets renounced, everybody's like, it's been my dream in knife life to play Moon Knight. But there is like a more of a vibe of, how much longer are we doing this for? Like, when, Yeah, well, like, I think there's a couple points here. One is, I don't feel bad for the people who make Polly Pocket and all the other Magic 8-Ball movies or whatever because they're going to get paid and hopefully they'll get a chance to, and maybe I'll be proved wrong about this, but I do think Mattel two weeks ago is different than Mattel now. Mm-hmm. Because two weeks ago, they were like, we want to be invited to the party. And now they're like, everything is going to be measured against Barbie, mm-hmm. which is hard for everyone. Yeah, They have a lot of money to spend, so maybe it's something good will come in. We don't know. Um, I think in terms of the uh, the MCU part, like I, I think a lot of blame is going to get put on Bob Chapek because he's no longer the CEO of Disney. And the idea that you he, think Chapek was watching Secret Invasion dailies before he, he was took like off? he was like my last on my last all hands meeting, I want you to know that Gaia, daughter of Ben Mendelssohn's <laughs> Telos, should be the most powerful character in the MCU. That's what I want. Poor Amelia. Um, it's really a remarkable IMDb page that she's got at this moment. Um, so I, I think a lot of blame is going to be put on him for flooding the streets with television content and basically being like, you've done it here, now do more over here. Um, that was the mandate that Iger has now deftly walked back, but I think that was Iger's mandate too. And I think that there was an assumption that, you know, if the if the tap is flowing, just keep it going. To my mind, one of the problems of this might be I, look, I'd love to talk to Kevin Feige. I don't know if we ever will on this podcast, but my sense from talking to people who have worked with him and worked around him and talked to him is he is not like, I mean, no one is suggesting that he's a villain, but he I, he is, from what I understand, the opposite of a uh, corporate pencil pusher who's yeah. demanding. If anything, the sense that I get is that he loves creatives and he loves making these movies and that above all else, he loves Marvel. And that what he loves is being like, yeah, there's a character called Moon Knight. Guess what? 
there's also, you know, Ms. Marvel is connected to Captain Carol Danvers this way. Like, he is the most successful version of comic book guy ever mm-hmm. who is proselytizing and loves sharing this. Loving this stuff so much might not be the same as making a good movie. These, these might be at odds with each other, you know? And I think that he's the most successful executive in the history of movies for a reason. But one thing that was bracing about this weekend, not just as Secret Invasion cratered like the Sixers did in the early part of the season, but when Barbie Take captivated Sixers, yeah. and, and Oppenheimer captivated and why they captivated, right? It's like, it's a shift. It's just, it's just fundamentally a shift in the way a lot of these companies have been trying to do business due to the decisions, honestly, made by Bob Iger. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't, rem- I don't actually know. The I'm deep- sure Bob Iger was like, can you start making five hour versions of these things mm-hmm. or six hour these or work. eight hour? And they were like, yeah, sure. If you want to give us the money, we'll go make WandaVision and Loki. And, and we have and like some wants ideas. To play. Yeah. They'll everybody wants to do, do this and we'll, we'll pay them. Right. I, I, I just. Look, I you know I don't I don't really remember the state of whatever NDAs I signed, but in my experience working on a big thing for a big company that may or may not have been bought by Bob Iger, like the goal was to make a good thing, one good thing, mm-hmm. and that goal I think was not in line with the larger corporate goals. Not yeah, to say also- not to say their goals aren't to make good things. I want to be careful, but to make a single good thing is not necessarily lined up with all of the corporate desires to manipulate to 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 get the machines, get the things rolled out, not get the machines, not like Brian Cranston. I mean, just get the whole... The robots. Get their arms... <laughs> the, the robots will not have or, these jobs. Or droids, whatever. But get their arms around the entire apparatus yeah. of fandom and history and like, let's roll it all out and and, and, and and always attempt to please the hardcore people first. Like, as if like... It's weird. Like, imagine if like a political party did that, you know? Yeah. Ever tried to just cater to the hardcore extreme people. <laughs> play like, to the base. Can't imagine what would happen. Well, this but that's is, what we're doing. That, but if you play to the base and you lose the base, mm-hmm. then you got nothing, right? Like, if, if, they, if they don't have a, I don't really want to keep going with this, a centrist Marvel movie mm. and uh, one that like people feel like Look, like I actually personally feel like what they've done wrong too is just kind of underutilize some of the talent that they've brought along. Yes. Um, I think I, that this whole thing seems more siloed and hard to understand than it did 10 years ago. And partially that's because of the TV stuff. I think partially that's because the story engine is this multiverse stuff that I think for a lot of people is a thrill the first time you see it or cool the first time you see it and is now they have been hammered with it. Not only in Marvel, but in DC movies and in other stuff where it's just like, what if every you, know, you could go back and you could fix every problem you ever had, but then you'd have to deal with the consequences. And like that's that's getting a little bit more complicated when you get into the Loki stuff. You're just like, what the hell yeah. is all the are the branches and the time authority? And I actually obviously Loki's probably the best thing that they've made in the last five years. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that they're using the talent that they have in the right I, way, where it's like, look, if you guys I, I like Simulu, if you think Simulu is like the guy. Like, why isn't he showing up in some of this stuff? You know, like, why aren't, why isn't there that cross pollination that made the first sort of few dozen movies feel special? I, I think, well, maybe I, we're I, miss, maybe I missed the Avengers in, as a as a forty five year old man. Is it I, is it adjacent in my eyes? <laughs> is it adjacent conversation to this? What we're talking about is also why I think the Superman movie James Gunn is making is going to be good because. All movies, regardless of genre, are the products of their contexts, you know? And in this moment, doing something fresh, starting something new, unburdened 
by all the continuity and whatever, and also the spirit that he seems to be bringing to it, and also casting a guy from Philadelphia in the lead, <laughs> makes me think that that's going to, I just feel like that's going to work. Yeah. I really think your point about using the talent, though, matters. Because... I guess they are doing it with Brie Larson. But, but when I was talking to, to, when I've been talking to people picketing, I think there's, there is a sense that not just, you know, this, this feeling of doom in the industry and if we hope the joy that if we get back to working again, but also the possibility of this Barbenheimer weekend. Actors want to act. Like, they want to create things. They do not want to be wearing these suits in front of the volume forever. They, I just think that they don't. And the paychecks are good. The camaraderie was nice. The global fame, probably not so terrible. But I, I think people want to do other well, things. Well, we rely on actors to do one for them and one for us. You know, like I was looking at the pictures of Chris Pine is in a directorial debut called Pool Man, mm-hmm. where he essentially looks like he's playing the Big Lebowski and he uh, uh, becomes like a sleuth. He becomes like an amateur private detective. And he's directing this film. He looks like Jeff Bridges in The Big Lebowski, mm-hmm. but he looks incredible. And I was like, thank you for doing Dungeons and Dragons so that you could do this movie. That model certainly exists. But and what, I don't know that enough actors are doing that right now. But what I'm saying is, don't, if they look at, again, Nolan might be one of one. But I feel like if there's a, a world where, I mean, look at the cast of that movie. And if you get, Killian Murphy certainly, but Downey and Damon and Blunt and our girl Flo Pugh, and you put them in a movie that isn't set during the early years of the Cree scroll confrontation, mm-hmm. I guess what I'm saying is, who's going to try one more time to make the firm? You know what I mean? Like, who's going to get good actors who are tired of this other shit and do the best version of a movie that isn't connected to Tesseract? Wouldn't, wouldn't and, people and just keep direct price- that to Apple TV? Well, that's my question. If you, Did you see my segue coming? If, you, if it cost under $100 million to make... There's no reason why it should cost something like that should cost two hundred, three hundred million dollars, right? Like, I I just feel like one of the lessons from this weekend be like, can we try it again? Mm-hmm. Can we put something in theaters and try it if it's the best version of it? You know, I, I don't know. It, 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 that's a long arc to get from why Secret Invasion was a pretty bad TV show and seemingly like recognized as such. I saw someone on our on our Facebook group. They ranked like, it fortieth out of all forty projects. Yeah, so that might be recency bias, but I feel like no, if you're I watching think, all I of them, I think it's been roundly like ejected from like the memory banks already. And I think people are kind of like hoping that this that's the end of that. And I know that it goes right into the Marvels, and I'm sure the Marvels will set up a bunch of other stuff. I don't know what they're going to do with the the subsequent movies, or when they're going to get back to work on them, or the strike and everything else that's happening. So I, I do think we're at an inflection point. Speaking of of, of Facebook, you know, I, I, it's my favorite app. And um, one of the things that I get Are serviced, you on threads? No. Okay. No. I, I Speaking of being in our mid-40s, I'm like... I'm not on threads. Send me as many invites as you want, but I've, I, I've learned a couple things. I'm, I'm, I'm good. You, I'm me good me and Kai this. are going down with the For You tab on X. That's you guys? Yeah. <laughs> Great. Just start the start the morning with a little bit of like just absolutely nauseating political discourse, <laughs> and then, and then and pour some work. hot coffee on top of yeah. it. Then go to SoFi. <laughs> so the so the only things I get, you know, I I get serviced these like I guess because of my interests. You know, we've talked about like I get serviced pictures of Jean Claude Van Damme's family, and people are like beautiful family. I also get serviced like sickest builds in Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, uh-huh. which I pause and watch every time. Sure, um, but for family reasons. Um, 
Van Damme family reasons. <laughs> but the other thing that I get Would is Jean-Claude just like, Van Damme playing Zelda be like your your perfect piece of content right now? I feel like not he, playing Zelda the actual character, but like playing the video game. I feel like he would struggle with um, Ultra Hand, which you know, again, we could talk about in a podcast, but you're not ready for that conversation. Is that something with like the Switch? Is that like a Wii thing? Is are you just naming consoles? <laughs> is it is it is it GameCube? Is your job Beach? Like, <laughs> I play right. play, I play video games. Yeah, it's okay. Hey, hey guys, hey hey fellow kids, <laughs> you guys like to Twitch? Um. One of the things I get I get service is like Marvel fans UK, and it's just like, hey guys, made a made a fan poster for Kang Dynasty. Check it out, and it looks totally plausible. Yeah, you know, and it's just like uh, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, Simu Liu, uh, all the other people from the TV shows, and Tom Holland, and it's like fucking epic. And I look at this, and I'm like, this looks like a hostage video. Yeah, this is the saddest looking thing I've ever seen. And obviously, it's fan generated, but the picture they chose of Cumberbatch to be in the middle with his little hairpiece on. I was like, they don't. I don't think they want this. I don't think Cumberbatch they want this. or the fans. I don't know. I don't know who. I don't know who wants this. The thing that's missing, and I know that's a dead end for us to be like, who? Who's this for? Who, I'm not. Yeah. Say, I'm not saying that. But I think that all of this is a response to something you correctly noted, which was as recently as six months ago, when everyone like strapped on their helmets to get into the content mines to cover a Marvel TV show, and you were recapping it for a website where presumably these things drive traffic. There was a air of super, I don't want to say genuine, but at least enforced good cheer, right? Like, maybe you missed this thing that, you know, guess what? She's the, Sharon is the power broker. Bet you didn't know that. Like, there was a tone of, we're all having a good time here. Yeah. And Isn't that, this fun? Now that we know Sharon is the power broker. And, and that, sorry, spoilers, <laughs> that Sharon is the power broker. Kaya, you, I don't know. Kaya, you knew Sharon was the power broker, right? She's nodding. Yeah. But my, my point is that when she that... She saw it on the For You tab, actually. <laughs> when that... that she, I keep Every time you say that, I think you're about to say 4chan. No. Which worries me. It's just like Kaya go, it goes power broker right. post, then Yimby Twitter, and then, you know, like something about girl dinner. Um, the, the, when that cheer has leached away, that does... It is significant. Yeah. And we don't even have to pretend anymore. Yeah. So, Apple TV, I wasn't pretending. I was interested in it. In the For You tab? I was interested in the MCU project. I, I thought like this was like yeah. a pretty interesting like. Oh, gambit. I don't mean we were. I don't mean we were pretending interest. I mean that people were pretending the good cheer that all this oh, is fine yeah, and good right. and that Papa Feige is going to fix it and that this is building towards something that we'll all feel good about and we'll feel like chumps that if we missed, you know, um, well, I was going to say Werewolf by Night, but that was actually pretty good. Yeah, I feel like a chump because I thought Kingdom Two Nine was beginning its final descent. Okay, this is we really have to. We have to call this. All so, three of us, Kaya as well, Kaya, experienced this. Kaya is on the plane. Kaya, have you decided what uh, what section of the plane you're in? I mean, I'd love to be business class. Life flats? <laughs> it seems like a lot of decision-making is happening there, though. A lot of attention paid yeah. to no, them, No, 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 because the decision-making is happening in first class. Yes. And then you have your business class. Oh, so you want to oh, yeah. be in business. I think comfort well, plus kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I want a comfort plus. I don't want to be in first. There's too much, like, pilot... We're too, you're too close Sam to Nelson. interest. Yeah, yeah. Like he's, yeah. he's. We're talking about the the show of the summer, by the way, and we will eventually get. We'll get back to justified and full circle next week. And uh-huh. I know full circle wrapped up, but I'm sorry to Steven Soderbergh and 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 to Claire Danes. <laughs> sorry, Steven Soderbergh, but the plane is still. in I the continue air. to love that show. I just really wanted to talk about Did hijack it today. It's it concluded. I thought I was just like one behind. You are. It's five episodes. 
Oh, yeah. okay, great. Um, anyway, Hijacks, show of the summer, honestly. I'm just going to so, call it. It's the number one show on Apple. I feel like a lot of like rando people that I just talked to, they're like, Hijack rules. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Tears in my eyes. Um, but we thought, and we announced on this podcast. Yes, you did. Oh, oh, excuse me. I let you take the con. I thought you were. I thought you knew what you were doing. I thought you were going to navigate us through the asteroid belt, and you didn't. We're okay. still. We're still there. Uh, so, we, I, I thought it was six episodes. It's seven. It is a seven-episode show for a seven-hour flight, apparently. Or maybe mm-hmm. there will be some extra juice at the end. You know, once they land. So, so the experience watching the sixth episode, and I don't know if anyone else felt this, was borderline maddening. Because one thing, and this might be just... this is The episode is called Comply Slowly, by the way. This might be, um, and we're going to talk about everything up through episode six. I, I, this may have been, this may just be a factor of poison TV brain. But whenever there's a finale, season finale um, especially, I start to get twitchy at the 15-minute mark. Because you're worried that they're not going to well, resolve everything. I'm keeping track of the, of the ball still in the air. And with in the case of this show, it wasn't like, oh, are they not going to figure it out? I was like, oh, these fucks are setting up season two. Now, they still might be doing that. We don't know if they are or they are not. But that I feel like the cheap side gang has some some legs. For sure. I think there are other I, but I thought they were going to keep KA29 in the air through season 2. I mean, I, I, presumably I th- they would need to refuel at some point. Well, I also think that what you're suggesting, which I think is probably likely and doubly so if it, if it is as successful as it appears to be, that the larger machinations of this group of criminals that can touch everyone and kill everything or vice versa can have other iterations potentially with other stars in uh transportation based crisis crises yes but i started to get a little bit tetchy because i was like they're just gonna and then the episode ended and i was like that's the cliffhanger the, for season the key, one the clue is when they're like we're still an hour from london Yes, that was when you knew. So anyway, so I, I was a little bit sour. I don't know if anyone else got that. But then and I, then there was also on the Apple app, it's mm. like next episode is next week. <laughs> My pupils were dilated at that time, so I cannot confirm nor deny whether I saw that. Okay, so I was wrong. Let's, okay. talk, about, let's talk about the show instead okay, of my own. So uh, I want to talk most of all about the emergent villain of Hijack. Uh, and again, we are spoiling Hijack up through episode six. So God bless the internet. I just needed to check if it's called the Cheap Side Gang or the Cheap Side Firm. And the internet not only answered that question, but was like, the first result is, are Edgar Jansen and John Bailey Brown based on real gangsters? I can't wait to click on this later. This is phenomenal. So you're talking about who are, those are three people, but yet two no, people. No, Edgar really- Jansen. And John Bailey Brown. Oh, someone's name is John Bailey Brown? Yes, in the show. That sounds like an old that song watching. that you gave children to. <laughs> he hasn't, I don't think John Bailey Brown has had any lines yet. I think I, Edgar Jansen has been doing all the talking. I would also like to add that I know no one's name. Okay. I know Do Sam. You know Idris Elba's name. Sam Nelson. Uh-huh. Which is 100% not a real name. Like, that is such a ridiculously plain name Stuart that I, I remember. Stuart and Lewis are the brothers. Nope. Now there's just one brother. Didn't know that. And then I don't know who the lady is who keeps being like, he knew what he was doing. I don't even know who you're talking about. I know Daniel. The, the lady is gangster, the, cop. the lady terrorist. What are we calling them? Hijackers. Lady hijackers. Well, but the thing is, Chris, after six episodes, they might be victims too. I know. I know. I don't know if you've man, been watching as closely as that. The hitman who killed Stuart and Lewis's father seemed quite morose about that. This gets mm-hmm. to the villain problem of hijack. Not a problem. Just a just a point okay. that I don't know if infrastructurally <laughs> and institutionally, mm-hmm. England as a nation are responding well to this. 
I'm glad we're talking about this. This is it a. It just seems like two guys in prison have checkmated the entire government and security apparatus. I have real concerns here. <laughs> if you view this show as social commentary, like as if you were viewing, imagine you're watching this show the same way you watch the films of Ken Loach, for example. Sure. And you're like turning the camera on the inequities built into the system. I am very concerned about our special relationship. It's a, a failing island. Yeah. <laughs> because just these blokes from prison, to your point, have taken full advantage of the fact that the United Kingdom has, and I'm just going to be, I think I'm a little bit, my numbers might be off here, but I believe they have two government officials. The Home Secretary and the Foreign Secretary. Poli- two police, two to three police persons. Archie Punjabi and the other guy. Yes, and the other guy's uh, ride-along mate. Yeah. And that's about it. I saw a There's more, a lot of like, don't tell the PM yet. I, I saw a more... Ro- like, Kingdom 2-9 is in route, you know? Dude, there was a more robust deployment of forces briefly in rural Hungary yeah. than and, we have seen on the streets what's of the, England. What was the Hungarian airport they were going to? Doesn't matter. Right. It wasn't Budapest. It was somewhere else. <laughs> and they had fucking special ops lionesses all along the tarmac. Zoe was, was just seconds. Absolutely redacting people there. But meanwhile, England has enough time for a fancy Dan to just walk up to, I guess, like the third most powerful person in government and be like, here's a packet of crisps, mate. Enjoy. And my demands. And then walks away and then swans around a pub with a corrupt journalist. Yeah. And then the most important news breaks on Twitter. And I'm watching that being like, Elon, you had this heater coming of press. It didn't break on X in the show. Presumably, mm-hmm. so the, the the sort of gambit seems to be that this cheap side gang run by Edgar and Johnny from right just right. are like, do this. And when you're like, I don't want to do that, they'll be like, well, then we'll kill your family. That was like when you said, I want you to watch a Taylor Sheridan show. <laughs> <laughs> like, and right. then you, you said, mm-hmm. I, as half of the watch, I will watch it. Yeah. It just seems like a, like a, a bullet you can't unfire. It just seems like Johnny and Edgar after a while would get the rep of being like possibly dangerous fellows. Yeah, with their fingers in everywhere. Sex trafficking, drug running, weapons. All over the world. Arms dealing all over the world from prison. If you are... Wearing sweatsuits. If you are a surly Scotsman wearing a blue cleaners outfit, you work for them. Yeah. And you have handguns and silencers and you're uh, you're but on of call. their workforce, how many do you think are doing it uh, under the threat of death? I think the guys posted up in Sam's immaculate bachelor pad do it for the love of the game. Oh, you think that those guys are true believers? I think those guys are like Dame Lillard. They just love basketball. <laughs> and they'll play anywhere. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter where they've asked to They're be traded. They're definitely hoping to play, play in Boston. I, they might end up in Boston if, the, if everything works out. Um, I don't have an answer because, again... This is, it's the show's triumph. Mm-hmm. It is also the thing that in season three or four, we might be like, okay. I don't, you really think there's going to, is Sam getting on another plane soon? Do no, you think- my sense is, and again, this is, this is irrelevant to my so enjoyment of this like season. you it's like a hijack expanded universe of different vehicles and different negotiators? Speed 2 was on a boat. This, actually, this is the key thing. Okay. I'm going to ask Kaya this because you and I, we just have been jawing about this for a while. Mm-hmm. Kaya, what does Sam do for a living? Well, they say at the beginning, mm-hmm. he, like, comes in during the, like, merger process mm-hmm. and, like, negotiates. That's probably, like, a bit of a cover. I would you say— You think he's, like, a—he's he's MI5? 
Yeah, something uh, like that. He just he's too good at fighting. He's too good at fighting. He he's is just really like a good corporate at fighting. guy. He is and he knows a lot about wounds. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And biros and where to stick them in people's bodies for yeah. maximum breathability. Okay. So Sam, still a little bit of a mystery, but we've had this villain revealed. And in your opinion, as a hijacker <laughs> fan, I guess we have to that's what you call hijack fans. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. hijack hive. Mm-hmm. Or were you relieved to find out that this was like a criminal syndicate rather than like a terrorist organization? Relieved. So are we, are you asking me, okay, are you asking me about the woman at the very end? Well, no, we haven't gotten to the twist okay. yet. Okay, sorry. The, Excuse this, me. The, no, I mean, we're, we're spoiling it, so it's fine. I want to get to her and the sleepers on the plane because well, I think there are more. That's my, my big thing. I think the question is more, how do you feel about the, re- like the reveal here is that, what's the guy's name who's yelling a lot? Stuart. Stuart? <laughs> sure. Um, you can tell because other characters will say, Stuart! To him. And he responds because that's his name. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm going to ch- I'm gonna try to watch the finale with I'm that in mind. I'm glad you can still pull Talos out of your back pocket when you haven't actually watched Secret <laughs> Invasion. But we've talked about Hijack for like two and a half hours. And you're like the, the lad who yells a bunch. Part of my enjoyment of the show is that it doesn't matter. Yeah. I Hijack don't know their is just names. vibes. Yeah. It's suspense and vibes. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's sky vibes. But wait, I guess the question is like, did you, are you asking Kaya if she enjoys the, the rich depth now available to us now that we know that this is being masterminded by someone else in a sweatsuit? By Edgar and Johnny. I think that introduced a lot of plot holes into the show because the whole time they're like, we don't have Wi-Fi. No one can get in touch mm-hmm. with the ground, yeah. blah, blah, blah. How are these guys getting in touch with the ground? How are they talking to Edgar. Well, they right. took all the phones. But then I think they turned the Wi-Fi on briefly. Oh, that's right. Right. And then now they've turned it back on all the way because the pilot was like, you have to turn the computers back on so that I can call, so that she can call Budapest, right? Well, no, that was just the radio. They weren't like... No, de- the screens came back on. Remember but, all the kids were like, oh my God, the screens are back on. But then they, they turned them back off. That's because they were DMing. <laughs> <laughs> like that's how they communicated with Budapest. They, they slid into... Also, how does Edgar get out of the country now? I mean, I guess the I British know. police are like so, evidently not. They're fools. Okay. So <laughs> they, this takes us to the end of episode six. I'm, we're I, not I, at the end of that I, conversation. But, but, but I would, I think to Kai's point, it's important to say that the, the show does begin to like, the th- you lose the thread a little bit when it's not just that, that, that the, the home secretary, who, again, like the performance that actor is giving just really gives like, you can trust this guy. Yeah. He just seems like he's the hero. He's in serving the story. home secretary. Um, yeah. but, but, <laughs> but like in a situation like this, Despite his years of public service and his position within uh, His Majesty's government. If it helps to, for you, I'll just let you know that is, is frequently in the cabinet yeah. of the prime minister, mm-hmm. there's a, a, it's a team of rivals. No, I know that. Mm-hmm. But this so is the my, home secretary and foreign secretary might be vying for the chance to be the next prime minister. It reminded me of the film Lincoln in so many ways. <laughs> but that's not my point. My point is, as, as important as it is for him to be in the room. Yeah. I feel like in a moment of there's an airplane hurtling towards the capital city. With 200 British citizens. I think other people's voices are then welcomed into the conversation, not a politician's. They do address that when they're like, where are you? Well, mm-hmm. I can't remember what the foreign secretary's name is. It's like Linda. Wow. Wow. And you know Gaia's name. <laughs> in the crawl. I, I, can't, scroll I order. like the foreign secretary anyway. Wow. But she's like, amazing. they're like, why are you at Collingwood? Mm-hmm. And she's like, because we were already here and mm-hmm. like we didn't have time to move. So that's why I think it seems a little bit more fly-by-night. Yeah, I just feel like, I, I don't know. 
I just, you know, we, we've been through 20 years of a war on terror and things. I just feel like there might be like some dossiers they could pull. I'm, they, I'm sure they're a little slower than you'd, we'd like. And, but anyway, to Kaya's point, yeah. she, she brought up the twist that happens at six, which is essentially Idris Elba thinks he's got his handle on how many hijackers there are. He and, thinks and, there are three because the younger brother has died. So there's, Stuart's brother. Yeah, it's Stuart, the lady, the guy with the beard, Hawaiian the shirt. Man, right. And then he's like, okay, we can take him. So the first class cabin basically rises up. Also, what a look for oat milk. Oat milk is what inspired everyone, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. They send it all around. Mm-hmm. And then in the midst of this battle for the plane, a random woman mm-hmm. stands up from her seat, goes into the bathroom, puts her hair into a pilot's ponytail, mm-hmm. I guess, opens up her purse and she's got a cell phone and a gun. She walks out of the bathroom, shoots our beloved pilot in the head. Not first mate Kovacs though hopefully no. and shoots the pilot in the head and walks into the ca- cockpit and closes the door yeah so to Kaya's point mm-hmm. I think that they have always had a backup pilot on the flight that she has been in contact with Edgar and Johnny and that she will now be the person who is like you get to have the 200 people back or whatever but we get Edgar and Johnny on this plane and we fly to parts unknown also my favorite character on the show has is, is Stuart it's been that way for a, you know, <laughs> two three minutes now, and I think that it's that they are they are pawns of the larger operation. Yes. That there's always been yes. some fail safes built in and some surprises. I was interested in in the woman standing up because one thing that I haven't been able to get over is in the pilot, not the new pilot, but the first episode of the series. Um, there's a very weighted moment when Sam argues to let someone on the plane and yes. it's that businessman he, with a beard. And he's st- yes. we we have he's, gotten shots of him and he's about that. He's done nothing. Yeah. He put a bag very uh, like very clearly yeah. up above. Is that the bag that she took? I believe No, 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 that's where they first get the gun out oh, of the bag. Oh, right. Okay. Out so of that he's bag. he's obviously bag, right. then he is he's also I think stressed. that was that was the his bag was the one that yeah. the woman let through security, right? Yes. And yes. and things didn't go great for her. No, she paid with for it with her life. Yes. Uh so I'm waiting for that shoe to drop as well. Um, There's also the guy who's done time in prison. Yeah, who has, ne- who has the drawings tats. on his neck and face. Yeah, mm-hmm. There is a couple of other people. There's the Egyptian security expert who, yes. knew, who thought he understood like whether it was blanks or real bullets. So we've got a couple of wild cards on the plane. <laughs> There's the mom who does not have an inside voice. No. You know? Katie. I, there, there are just a or couple... Or she's like, Katie's her daughter. And the, she's always like, Katie! There's a couple things like... When the woman, Kaya, the, the woman you're talking about who is like the secret pilot gets up to go to the bathroom, I was like, I, why isn't everyone doing that all the time? It did seem like the, all of a sudden it was pandemonium. It was just like, finally, I get to go get some corn nuts. People have been really chill for four hours of this hijacking. so hangry. Yes, but also like the bathroom line would be considerable. Like, I feel like we're not really getting into the nitty gritty of it. We, I mean, I'm happy to do it right now. I think that the lack of food service on mm. the plane is pretty crazy. I also think it would have... Uh, Opiate for the masses, you know? Just give them peanuts. Yeah. And then yeah. someone has a devastating peanut allergy, and it's a whole other... <laughs> then you're really landing in Budapest. I I, I think... Um, that would be amazing if it was like, we have to land in Budapest. <laughs> this man is having a terrible reaction. Stuart is anaphylactic shock. <laughs> to a bag of planters. Um, how do you feel... Okay, so let's think about this two ways. Like, I, I, I think... I think there's one way to talk about the show, and we'll continue to talk about it next week about why it's Which is successful. as if it's reality, <laughs> deeply. <laughs> like, yeah, nitpick it to death. One is why it's successful. The other is, I think, 
it was, how do you feel about this as a star vehicle for Idris Elba? And how do you feel about the legend of Sam Nelson? I feel like this this is like phenomenal shit from him. Yeah. I honestly do still think that like he being like just 20% more capable than everybody on the plane, but still having some like fallibility is like right in the Harrison Ford zone. Mm-hmm. Like the zoo, I would want to have be in charge of this situation, but at the same time, I could also see some people being like, "You fucked this up, you fucked that up." The almost anonymity of the rest of the plane is actually why I think this show is doing so well, because I think people are doing what we just did for the last twenty minutes and putting themselves into the plane. Yes. And they're starting to be like, I would be hungry, or I would pee, or I would negotiate, or I would... The first two, yes. The yeah. third, no. <laughs> keep going. Keep listing things. I would negotiate. Would you, You'd be like, guys, no one wants to go to jail tonight. And then someone <laughs> would point out, they've hijacked an international airplane. They are definitely going to jail tonight. And then you would sit back down? Yes. Right. I also think the, the Idris Elba part of it is, I, I can't say that I've watched all of the movies he's made over the last 10 years. Wasn't there one where he fought a lion recently? That recently came out. In fact, that was at one point seemingly the only film that was ever going to come out again because it was the trailer before every single yes. other movie. One of the great things about this, and also maybe just about him settling into the age that he is, is, is that like what made him so special as Stringer Bell was, yes, his like incredible physical appearance, his looks, his charisma, but also that he's always projecting that he's thinking about everything. And that he's put upon. Like yeah. the weight of shit is on him. That's just his demeanor, you know? And I think that when people were saying that he's going to be Bond, like those elements are not, the thinking, yes, but like the sort of the burden of it yeah. is not really Bond to me. And so him running to this role and then everyone seeing him, they're like, oh, he is this Harrison Ford, Liam Neeson, Charles Bronson type figure is awesome. I think it was a really well-chosen role for him for the next, 20 years of He's doing career. great. Here's what I understand. Mm-hmm. These guys were in prison. Oh, we're back. So you are fixated on this. What are they called? The cheap seats? The cheap side cheap firm. You love which is firm. often what they call gangs. And You love a firm. Yeah. And they're in prison, they think, because Stuart and Lewis's dad grasped on them. R.I.P. Elaine. R. Oh, R. by oh. the way, low-key also, like, thing about British shows is, like, we need someone to play a part for five minutes. We call... Ruth Sheen, Legend of Mike Lee movies, just to play that part. Yeah. That's cool. That was great. She's like, he didn't cross, neither did I. And then she walks into traffic. It's really sad. She didn't cross because she grass. attempted to cross grass is the street. The, the grass is like what they call narking uh, in, in the UK. Is that what people were saying at SoFi last night <laughs> with your other mates watching football? I just wonder whether or not there was a less uh, ostentatious way of getting out of prison. That's, that's my note. That's all, all I would ask. It doesn't seem like the British government is putting up much of a fight. They got him a Range Rover immediately. Yes. Um, a cell phone. Yeah. Charged. Uh, I don't really know why. If the entire thing is predicated on not being followed, the British government was like, we better follow these guys. But not we better follow them. The only policeman in London has to follow Have them. to follow. We have no other way of doing this. And, you know, you watch most contemporary spy shows mm. or movies, and it's like they, and I know that England is essentially a surveillance state. Mm-hmm. But they seem to be very slow on getting a drone involved, and the drone seems pretty glitchy when they do get it. Also, so why need? Why do they need to have like? I think the problem is the government Google Maps that they have has not been upgraded to include the new patch that covers country lanes and gates. You know, it's just just the main thoroughfares. Thanks, love. You know, like nobody was, 
And, and in my impression of, of England, it's almost entirely country lanes yeah. once you leave London. Yeah. So that does seem like an oversight to me. I love it. I can't wait to, to see the finale next week. Any final notes? Just big picture, I really like the show. It's really interesting for Apple TV joining the ranks of the other streaming services as they realize that it might be good to make programming that large swaths of people might want to watch. Particularly at a moment. Yeah, you're the best. No, but it's true. No, you just have, you, it, you see the whole field. But it's what, know? like, it's what, all like, Amazon is always being, I mean, you know, this isn't, we've talked about this, I've heard it on the town, I've read it in articles, like, it, it always seemed a little bit schizoid because it's like, we're going to make the English and Fleabag, but the shows that people watch on our service are The Boys and Jack Ryan uh, and Reacher. Yeah. Um, Paramount has no qualms. They're like, we're making Star Trek and we're making, Taylor Sheridan violence pornography violent pornography <laughs> but especially at this moment when a these services can't just be larks for shareholders like they need to show profit but also everyone including Bob Iger in the in a, you know in the, some of the comments he's been making recently that were less inflammatory he was like I don't think broadcast television is core to our business anymore if we are admitting and the strike is going to how many comments has he made has he, he like weighed in on the Otani trade like <laughs> market. Like, he makes a lot of comments. He's like, I think Moreno should hold on to him. You never know. <laughs> well, no, you'd be like, well, Artie is a passionate guy and <laughs> sports ownership. No, but like if, if the strikes are hastening the demise of, of of broadcast television and broadcast television is where still millions of people watch their shows. And those to give those people a reason to pay for streaming services, you're going to have to give them shows like that. I'll put it and this way. So Apple getting in on that marketplace is smart for them. And particularly, this is a very, this just feels like a very smart play because it is not um, more Jack Ryan. It's it's British. They have, you know, it has a different perspective on it. It's a global show. And yet it is deeply, deeply satisfying in the way only this type of mid-stuff can be. I noticed that, um, you and I are big fans of The Boys. I noticed mm-hmm. that there is a spinoff show coming called Gen V. Yes, which long is basically like a high school mm-hmm. for for. What do they call the soups? Yeah, the Vought Industries. Yeah. And I'm sure it has every every possibility of being good. I haven't seen it. I just would note that to take our conversation full circle from the Barbenheimer weekend that we've all lived through and, yep. and the idea that Mattel is just going to go do, do a bunch of this stuff. Um, it was a little disappointing to see Gen V instead of, what did we learn from the boys that the boys did well that we could apply to other stuff that we want to do? You know, rather than just make more of the same thing, could we have another thing that's also got the sort of cultural footprint of the boys? And I do think Apple isn't like, let's make seven Ted Lassos or let's make, I mean, they very well may, but let's Mm -hmm. make a continuing adventures of Richmond FC even after Ted is is no longer the manager or whatever. And they seem to be like, there's some chemistry to the, like, to your point, Morning Show Season 3 is coming back, right? The trailer aired, and it was like, here's all the stuff you like about the morning show, and now we put John Hamm in it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was like, you know what? Probably going to watch that. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that they've had success with Silo, with Blackbird, with Hijack, where it's just like, sometimes it's not that complicated. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I think that's right. And I think that um, I, I'm, I'm interested in their slate. Like, there, there, there remains a lane to be... I think this is also the lane they want to be in. I think ultimately they think the Apple brand is, you know, 
mildly positive for everyone. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so so programming more down the middle Upwardly does make sense mobile for them. drama and comedy. I mean, I imagine in episode seven, they will be downwardly mobile as the plane Descends. makes its final. Who knows? We don't know. Maybe they're going to do like a reverse, like halo jump into the plane from, but the, who, who, I wouldn't put anything past Edgar and Johnny. Remember executive decision? Yes, I do remember executive decision. Didn't like one plane go up against the other plane? <laughs> Kurt Russell came out of the one plane into the other plane, but he didn't stay for long. Sorry, right? Um, that movie was cool. Next week, mm-hmm. probably talk about Full Circle and Hijack, Olafantapalooza. And then we're going to end uh, next Thursday. We'll do Hijack's season finale. And is winning time next week? It's soon. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for that. But you're a huge Celtics fan. <laughs> well, when, when Dame inevitably joins them, <laughs> I will be locked in. Uh, and then for the rest of the summer, admin-wise, mm. I think we'll do a mailbag episode soon. Yeah. We have some res dogs to hit. Oh, that's coming very soon. But Andy and Can't I are wait. both going to be traveling. So um, we'll see. I'm going to Dubai. <laughs> You're going to retrace the steps of Kingdom Two Nine. I just, I'm just a, I'm a passionate. And you're going to thoroughly check all the systems that yeah. maybe failed. Yeah, I'm going to thoroughly check a lot of bags with some <laughs> surprises in them. So you're going to try and be the last person to walk on to an international flight. Yep. Yep. It's still the the weirdest thing. I still want to know why Sam was walking so slowly. Why he didn't want to get back on the plane? Maybe he knew it was going to happen. Um, no, he's coming to see his... He's, but why was he slow rolling it? Why was he almost like, she was like, are you coming? And he was like, oh, yeah, I guess so. I feel like it's Kyle, just well, because his, cool. his ex-wife is texting him, don't get on the plane. Yeah. I don't want to see you. So I feel like it was more of like a an emotional... He's got decision. Daniel. He's got Daniel in his home. Listening yeah. to vinyl. Oof. What a, yeah. What a life. That is tough. Okay. Thanks to you, Andy. Good job today. <laughs> thanks to you and... um, Thanks to Kaya. Really, thanks to Kaya for stepping in and helping us. And also, you know, just prayers up for Stuart. <laughs> it's been a bad day for him and his family, right? Last man standing. He, he, I mean, he lands. He's, so, he's been so memorable. What like, do you think that, I, I know you don't understand money lines, but what do you, you think know. the odds are that Stuart makes it through the finale? Well, Unscathed. I mean... By the way, one thing we did talk, what was Stuart's brother's well, name? Well, when Stuart finds out his mom's dead, don't you That's think he's going to be like, all bets are off now? What is Stuart's brother's name who's lying in the back? Lewis. Lewis is how old, do you think? He's his younger brother. 20, but 25. Right. Do a lot of, Kaya, sorry, last thing. I know we're ending, but like, Kaya, do a lot of 25-year-olds that you know, their cell phone home screens a picture of their mom? Mm, no, I would say no. Is, no. That a, is that a red flag for people of your generation? <laughs> Just asking. <laughs> I think that's a gender-specific red flag. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, clearly, they love their mom. Yeah. Their mom. Um, I'm surprised he doesn't have, like, you know, the West Ham logo as his screensaver. Yeah. Something. And then also, like, and then if you What's unlock, your, unlock right your phone, then maybe it's a picture It's a picture of Lewis's mom. <laughs> <laughs> it's Ruth Sheen, one of my favorite British actresses. Uh, I'm saying he could have, look. I don't want to criticize the dead. I think Stuart. I think Stuart is not not with us. I think he's with us. For, you don't think he's on hijack season two? I, I think Stuart is with us for a good time, not a long time. Okay. Uh, thanks to Andy. Thanks to Kaya for I'm producing. So, I'm really excited. We'll, for the finale. Of we'll the be show. back on Monday. 